Hello and welcome to GPS for Life for you. I am so delighted that you took time out today for us to, to gather and to dig into God's word, uh, believing that God does provide solutions for, for life, for you and for me. Uh, recently in a Sunday school uh, lesson, we were examining the life of John the, the Baptist. And we found that even this mighty man of, of God that when he was in a valley experience, he found himself somewhat doubting, uh, doubting God and being discouraged because of his failed expectations. And I have personally observed myself, as, as I suspect you have, that so many people today just appear to be discontent in, you know, in one way or another, they're angry or they're dissatisfied with themselves or, or others. And I know I had a recent test as I was preparing and assisting a, a family member and the desired results were not realized. And I had to really seek the Lord about, you know, healing in my own uh, expectations. And so as the Lord began to speak to me through scripture and through the Holy Spirit, some of the, uh, the revelation that I received, I felt would be beneficial for, for others. So today we're going to talk about um, expectations in, in proper perspective or how we can uh, relook at our own expectations. So uh, get your Bibles and your Bible app and let's get ready to, to dig in. Now, as you're uh, getting your, your Bibles, I want to uh, briefly review with you the definition that you may find about expectation. And it's defined as a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. So in other words, it's an, an anticipated uh, outcome. So as I, as I pondered this definition, I realized that while expectations can be a source of strength and encouragement, that if we have an unrealistic or unbiblical uh, viewpoint, likewise, they can be sources of, of discontent. And this can be translated into our expectations of, of, of God and even what we believe God expects uh, of us. And then we can uh, also, unfortunately, use uh, scriptures uh, to justify our, our dissatisfaction. So I want to, uh, to look at a few scriptures here in a moment to explain how uh, this may be, be the case. But first, let me say this. When we speak of, of expectations, and we often use that synonymously in, in thinking about what God requires of us, uh, actually, you know, God doesn't uh, have really expectations of us based on the definition, which is waiting or the belief of something to happen uh, in the future. God has no need to sit and wait uh, for something to happen like man to kind because God knows a thing from um, the beginning. Uh, he knows the end of the matter uh, from from the beginning. So it would be better to, to think in terms of, of, of God at his requirements of us or his principles or precepts versus expectations. But yet, um, because of our interpretation, we often uh, see expectations of God. And I want, I want to point out, perhaps with some scriptures, how this can perhaps be a, a little challenging or you know, problematic when uh, taken out of the proper context. For instance, a familiar scripture, Matthew 22, 37, which basically sums up all of the, the laws of the old, old covenant, which basically tells us here in this scripture that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength, with everything within our being, essentially. And then second to that, we're to love our neighbor 
as as ourselves. Okay, and then along those same lines, as far as God's standards in Micah uh, six and eight tells us that we're to do justly, that we're to love mercy, we're to walk humbly with thy God. So again, all of the law is essentially summed up by the way we treat others and the way we love God in in our walk uh, with with Him. So how could that be problematic? Well. Now, if you're feeling independent and you're not quite ready to, you know, surrender, you want to do things your way, uh, you may not want to uh, love love someone, especially someone who has has hurt you. And so therefore you may uh, perceive that this requirement or this expectation of God is is a little unfair. Um, Again, I mean, your scripture, John 3, 16, you know, he got to love the world. He gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting or eternal life. Um, and wow, what what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing. But we know how the enemy will often uh, entangle us or how he will often pervert the truth of God's word. So therefore, if you have convinced yourself that you are beyond God's love and, and his forgiveness and you're adding your own you know, presets about your worthiness uh, of what you need to do before you, know, you can accept Christ instead of just simply uh, receiving what he's already done in spite of your shortcomings, this could uh, cause some confusion uh, for someone and uh, make them believe that perhaps uh, God's expectations are um, are a little too uh, out of maybe out of reach for 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 them. Uh, another uh, scripture concerning our our salvation, if you will, I call these contingency these next scriptures kind of the contingency scriptures because they all start with if. And one of those is in Romans uh, ten nine. It says, because when we confess the, the Lord Jesus with our mouth and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will that we will be saved. Um, you know, but perhaps you don't want to be ridiculed by by your friends um, or you're somewhat ashamed. And so therefore, it makes it it, it hard again uh, for you to bring forth that that confession and, and and so again, uh, it may seem like a, a harsh expectation. First um, John one and nine again reminds us that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us and, and cleanse us of of all um, unrighteousness. And that's more of an individual kind of an individual uh, appeal uh, for repentance or remedy for repentance. As it's Second uh, Chronicles seven and fourteen is more kind of a corporate. Or national appeal that reminds us uh, in that scripture, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their, their land. But if you're comfortable in your sins and, and, and you don't want to uh, confess rather than to justify, again, you will perhaps be looking for a, a loophole or considering that, that, that God's expectations are a little too, um, too, too stringent. But, you know, we know, according to, to scripture, John, um, I'm sorry, that second Timothy, uh, three 16, uh, through 17 reminds us that all scripture though, is God breathed is used for teaching is used for rebuking, correcting training in, in, in righteousness. Uh, but even knowing that, isn't it amazing how, if we're honest that, you know, we somehow, we want God to be lenient 
and liberal with his standards and requirements for us, but we want uh, to be strict in our expectations uh, of God. So I think that's a great place to, to segue now when we think about uh, our expectation of, of God. You know, what are we uh, expecting of, of God, uh, and especially in lieu of, of scriptures, and how this can um, be taken out of context in some regard. So first scripture, another uh, familiar scripture, Psalm 23, says the Lord is, is my shepherd. All of these scriptures I want to reference right now, let's think about the uh, provision of God. So if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In Philippians uh, 4, 19 says, but my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. But what happens if resources are, are, are slim, are slim to, to none? And the expectation is God is, is my source. He's my provision. Uh, what about for protection and the providence of God? Um, when we think about Jeremiah 29 and 11, uh, where scripture tells us that I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to give you hope and, and an unexpected in or Romans 8 and 28 is saying that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to uh, to his purpose. And uh, Philippians 4, 13, another familiar scripture saying, I can do all things through Christ who, who strengthens me and, um, and, and just uh, believing in the, the, uh, the providence of God and um, knowing that uh, even like in Ephesians 3 and 20, that, that it says that now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we can hope or imagine, but yet um, things as we, we see them, um, they, don't, they don't feel good. They don't look good. They don't uh, look attainable. We don't see the things prospering in our life. Uh, Regarding direction, if we look at Matthew uh, 11 and, and 20, 28 is a familiar scripture. It talks about all those who are weak and heavy laden that we can come and receive rest, uh, rest um, from, from the Lord. And Jeremiah 33 and 3 tells us that we can call. It says, call unto me and I will answer, answer thee. Um, but yet, sometimes you may feel that God seems, that he may seem silent. And when you're looking for direction, you're trying to navigate the, the course of this of this life. You know, Luke 3 and 15 may say crooked places are made straight and uh, rough places are smooth. But yet life seems pretty bumpy and rocky. There's some sharp curves uh, along the way. And the, the, this next scripture, uh, particularly with uh, healing, I think is, is something that's uh, a lot of people are struggling with right now as we found ourselves in this you know pandemic and even though that things have improved some, somewhat, uh, we are seeing uh, many people succumb to, to COVID-19. And so when we look at scripture in Isaiah, you know, 53 and five, and it tells us that, you know, he, being Jesus, he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And so by his stripes, we are healed. Okay, and then even James five and fourteen through fifteen talks about when they're sick among us to call on the elders uh, uh, to pray to the prayer of faith and they shall be uh, healed. However, as we've seen in this season, 
you know, everyone that we're praying for, uh, everyone is, is, you know, is not, is not healed. So, you know, during these times, as I said, uh, even through scripture, people uh, may begin to question, they may begin to doubt, you know, if, if God is real and, and whether he can do what he, um, he says that, that he will do. But we must not forget that God is also, he's sovereign and he's working situations out for eternity according to his divine plan and purpose uh, and in in his time. And that may not, you know, always, that may not always align with, with ours. So these are just some general scriptures that the Lord, you know, laid on my heart that I think people, you know, struggle based on their, you know, their expectations. Um, Another uh, area I want to talk about more specifically as far as where we struggle with with expectations uh, is concerning marriage. Um, and we know that uh, from the beginning, the scripture in, in Genesis, when, when God ordained uh, marriage in, in the Garden of Eden, because he said, you know, uh, it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so he uh, knew that man needed a suitable helper, helper that was not yet, you know, yet available. You know, First Corinthians seven one through five, you know, talks to us about, you know, some guidelines about marriage and and its importance, and um, you know, avoiding fornication and how uh, spouses should uh, they should there should be due benevolence and Ephesians uh, five twenty two through uh, thirty three talks about, you know, how we submit to one another in love and. Uh, the wives submit to his husbands and all things. And the husband should love uh, his wife as Christ loved the church. And it, there's to be a new order of leaving and cleaving. You know, First Peter 3, 1 through 12, you know, also uh, gives us some guidelines about uh, ways in, in which we can uh, move forth and navigate through marriage according to, you know, the plan, the plan of God, but even an understanding, you know, all of those, all of those things, uh, reciting uh, well-intended vows, it doesn't guarantee they're going to be fairy tale uh, results, because uh, even though we have that, the manual in God's word, we have those, those instructions, uh, they're not always, they're not always uh, followed or they may be, you know, misinterpreted and everyone having kind of the happily ever after mentality cannot be, you know, a realistic expectation. Now, mind you, I'm not suggesting a kind of a tolerance mentality or endorsing, you know, ungodly behaviors or abuse. But I'm saying also, I think we must be mindful that many times we may have an unreasonable unreasonable uh, expectation. And I, I love uh, the teaching of, of Gary Thomas in, in his book, uh, Sacred Marriage. And in that book, um, Gary Thomas, he poses this question. And he said, you know, what if God designed marriage to make us more holy than happy? Because a lot of times uh, people enter into marriage, they're focusing on the happiness, but they forget about the importance of, of holiness. So maybe it wasn't so much about uh, meeting our needs as it was to strengthen, you know, strengthen our walk with God. And I will tell you my personal testimony of being married almost 35 years in uh, this coming October, you know, I can speak firsthand for how marriage uh, lends itself to many times of testing. 
but therefore that provides innumerable opportunities for us to draw uh, closer to, to God uh, along the way. So, you know, perhaps then if our expectation was more God-centered and self-centered and uh, fulfilling God's plan instead of meeting our own needs, um, maybe we would be less, less um, discontent and would see less, less divorce. So uh, I want to uh, pause right here for a moment for you to maybe uh, write down kind of a life, uh, kind of a reality, a checkpoint here. And that's, that's this one. Uh, we should never expect our spouses to do uh, only what God can do. So a lot of times we are translating what we, what we need and what we want to someone with an expectation of doing something that really, you know, only God can do. Another problem that I've seen um, in, in marriage as far as in expectations and the way that they play out uh, when there is not healing um, in ex expectations that have not been realized and people are still wounded, a lot of times what happens is that in our in present relationships, if we're not careful, we are making people suffer or pay the price for the past mistakes of others. And that's that's not fair. We, we should not want to uh, translate that to our present circumstances due to um, past unrealized expectations, but we can often do that if, um, if we have not healed from, from those wounds. Uh, speaking of not healing from wounds, um, there's another area I want to, to speak about as far as expectations that I think the enemy is, is using uh, as well uh, today to discourage many people, and that's concerning the expectations of church. You know, many people have just become uh, disheartened and detached or uh, with the church because of their, you know, their, their failed um, expectations. Uh, mind you, many people look to church as the place of uh, solace and strength, encouragement and love. But, you know, they found themselves subject to abuse, to unkindness, judgment and, and strife. And many people are kind of scratching their heads trying to figure out, you know, how, how can this be or, or why was this, especially when we've already talked about in Matthew 22, that, you know, the second greatest commandment, we're to love our neighbor as ourself. And Matthew 7, 12 tells us we're to do unto others as you would have them, you know, to do un, unto you. You know, we have so many scriptures that talk to us about relationships and, in, in, you know, the, the body that we're many, many members um, but we're one, we should be one body and Galatians 6 and 10 says that we're to take every opportunity to do good and especially to, you know, the household of faith. And so even when things go awry, we have scriptures for that. It, you know, it, it talks to us about how uh, we're supposed to, to reconcile our differences. If, if we have an ought with a brother, how we're supposed to go through that process. It talks about that in Matthew 7, how you know, we're to go to our, our, our brother first alone and try to reconcile. If that doesn't happen at that point, then we, we bring in witnesses. If that doesn't work at that point, then we take it to the, you know, the church. And so there's an order. God's talked to us about in his word how we are to reconcile our differences. If there's a brother that's overtaken in, in a fault, this is those who are spiritual should restore the person gently, according to Galatians, you know, six and, and one. We're not supposed to judge, uh, according to Matthew seven and one. 
And ultimately, in 1 John 4, 21, it, tell, it reminds us that if we say we love God, we first, we, that we don't see, we have to love our, our brothers um, also. So then, you know, how is it? How is it so that so many people are, are being wounded, you know, in, in the place that was intended to, to be, you know, to be a, a healing place? After all, the church should be likened to a spiritual, a spiritual hospital. So the next um, kind of reality checkpoint is this. We still must remember that any place where there are imperfect people, even church, cannot guarantee perfect results. Um, in Isaiah 64 and, and 6, we're reminded that even in all of our righteousness, we are really nothing more than filthy rags because it's tainted by our righteousness or our righteous motives, our acts are kind of tainted by our, our sinful our sinful motives. That's reiterated in James 4, when it talks about starting at verse four, how the fights and quarrels among us, they come basically from the battles that are within us. You know, we uh, desire a thing and we don't get that. So we'll even perhaps, you know, we covet and we kill, we quarrel and we fight. And, you know, we ask God and we don't receive. And oftentimes that's because we we don't have the right motive. We don't have the right motive, motive when we are, you know, are asking. And so for that reason, I believe today many people are angry and they're frustrated because, you know, their motive was uh, more self-centered than, than God-centered. And unfortunately, that even happens. That happens in, in, in the church. Um, but I do want to say I am not in any way trying to be dismissive, dismissive of the, you know, the many that have experienced uh, hurt and feeling wounded in a place where they, uh, they had hoped to be loved and, you know, and, and nurtured um, because the church should be the hospital, the place Jesus came for, for the sick. He didn't come for those that were well. And so the place that should represent him and his his presence and his spirit should be a place where people can come and they could they can be they can be healed. Uh, next uh, checkpoint, though, I want you to take down now. Though we have to still remember, you know, it's not beneficial though or wise to blame God because people didn't make our meet our expectations. So, for the people that may have felt wounded by their experiences in in church. I, I want to redirect you to the author and finisher of your faith and remind you that just because people disappointed you, that God is still on, on the throne and it's not of our benefit or it's not of wisdom that we blame God and kind of check out on, on the faith and check out on God or blame God when basically it's people that, that disappoint us, which brings me to my next, um, my next um, point, the reality checkpoint when we think about expectation in the proper perspective. If we recognize that with every action, every action that requires the execution or the implementation of man, it carries with it the probability of error because man cannot be expected to do what only God can and that has never failed. So when we are, uh, when we are placing man on a pedestal and placing him in a place, in a position, trying to have him to do something that only God can, can do, we set ourselves up for disappointment and, and frust frustration. Uh, next reality checkpoint says that while scripture does uh, admonish us to love man, 
We must put our trust, though. Our trust needs to, to be in God. And so we have to cast out that old thinking. But it talks about in, in Romans you know, 12, 1 and 2, we have to be transformed by the renewing, the renewing of, of our mind in order to know what is the, you know, please, uh, the way to please God and uh, what his will is, is for our life. And as, as I close this section, I, I want to leave you with this scripture that I think is, is so uh, powerful, is a powerful reminder. Psalm 62, 5 says this. It says, my soul, wait thou only upon God. My expectation is from him. If, if we applied this sentiment, you know, it would expel the, you know, erroneous uh, thinking that we may be tempted to believe and, and help us to, you know, to put our expectations in, in the, in the proper, proper perspective. So with that is if we have kind of examined some of the scriptures that uh, perhaps the enemy may try to entangle us with, with doubt or uh, confusion, because maybe our expectations have not been realized, or we have not really had, um, realistic expectations. So how then, how do you move past? How do you move past the disappointment of, uh, of failed expectations when things just don't turn out as, as you had, had hoped they would? Well, I have um, seven practical helps here that I want to uh, review with you uh, at this time that I hope will help you if there's someone that is struggling in this area. The first point is, um, if you've been struggling with the disappointment from failed um, expectations, recognize God knows. God already knows where where you are. He is omniscient, so you may as well give it give it to God. You know, go to God in in prayer. Don't shoulder the weight and have that burden on yourself. God's word tells us that we can cast all of our cares on on Him because He cares for us. Now, I want you to think about this when we talk about casting. Now, when we cast our cares to God, it's not like casting and fishing. When we cast going fishing, it's like we're trying to catch something and reel it in. But when we cast our cares on God, it's not for catching, it's for the release. God wants us to cast. When he speaks of casting in scripture, it is for the purpose that we no longer try to hold on to the thing, but we release it to God. And there's no need to, to reel it back in. Furthermore, we don't need to direct God, but we have to surrender to him. So recognize, you know, that God already knows, give it to God. And then um, secondly, redirect your thoughts back to the word of God and what the word of God says, not what others are saying about uh, the situation, not even what you think, but it's the truth. It's the truth of God's word that makes us free. But see, this is where uh, things get a, a little tricky. That's why we need to focus on building a relationship with who truth is in order to understand how to apply the truth of God's word. Many people are trying to, uh, they have a quest for the truth and wanting to know what truth is, but you can never know what truth is if you don't have an understanding or relationship with who truth with who truth is. So, uh, you know, cast down those imaginations of your mind, those tormenting thoughts of, of the enemy uh, that may come contrary to the, the word of God and take time to build a relationship through study of God's word, through prayer, to understand uh, ultimately what the truth of God's word is. We can't read the Bible as just some, some novel, but there has to be a spiritual connection because it has to be spiritually discerned. So redirect those thoughts back to God's word. 
And then release, release again, release offenses, just like we have to cast our cares on God. We got to release those those offenses. Uh, my friends, we have to forgive others and we have to forgive ourselves. Sometimes it's, it's more difficult to even um, even forgive our, ourselves for for things that that we we have have done. Um, you know, and, and when someone's hurt you, um, don't play in, in the hand of the enemy and just keep, you know, rehearsing, rehearsing the, the hurt. We have to move forth by being able to release that and pray to, to God and, and trust him that he is the one that avenges. He also is the one that gives us, he gives us beauty, beauty for ashes. And then fourthly, we have to remember, we have to remember that what's impossible uh, or um, man is not impossible, is not impossible for God because we serve a supernatural, a supernatural um, God. And so we have to then, we have to look in, in, in faith uh, for the, the solution and recognize that, you know, things are not always as, as they appear. But in order to catch that revelation, we must see it from a, a heavenly, a heavenly perspective. We can't just see it through our, our natural or through our, our carnal, our carnal mind, but be encouraged remembering that we serve a supernatural God. And then fifthly, refuse, refuse to stay in a rut. Keep moving forward. Proverbs 4, 25 says this, it says, let your eyes, your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Stay in the press, as Philippians 3.14, press towards that goal for the prize of the high calling, that upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. And know that like exercise, when you're just starting with the exercise program, you don't jump off the couch and start sprinting, but just right where you are, just start moving. Take a step forward in, in the right direction. And then six, the sixth point, rest Rest and be comforted in the blessed assurance that God still has good in store. No matter you know what it looks like, no matter what the enemy intended for evil, God can take that thing and use it for our good. He's promised in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to uh, his, his purpose. And you may see be saying, but... I don't, I don't see, I don't see any good. I don't see any good in this. I don't see anything that looks like a blessing in this. Well, I encourage you to look for the lesson in it because it's still going to work out for your good. Even if it doesn't appear to be blessing you at this point, perhaps there's a lesson in it that God has for you that will still ultimately be, be for, for your good. So, you know, submit to God and, and to his sovereignty and also um, recognize that we're just, we're just the clay. In, in the potter's the potter's hand and allow ourselves to be pliable that he can mold and shape us into into his likeness and and that we don't have to uh, be so disheartened during moments of difficulty when the fire comes trying to ask God please uh, please let me escape the fire fire often refines and when like the Hebrew boys that found themselves in the fiery furnace they didn't fixate on each other who was in the fire with them they didn't fixate on on the fire what they decided to where they placed their uh, their eyes their gaze was on the one that looked the fourth man that was in the furnace with them that looked like the son of man. And that's what we have to do. When we're going through the fire, we're going through the storm. Don't fixate on, on the, the what's going on around us or the situation, but look, look to God and to look to see him in the midst of the situation. And then finally, 
we have to rejoice. The Bible says rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. And we have to learn to even celebrate our battle scars. Now that may that may seem a, a little a little awkward, you know. What do you mean? How do how do we celebrate? You know the the battle scars of of life. You know, after all, if you think about scars in the natural from from being wounded wounded, you know, most people think of them as unpleasant. You know, why do you want to celebrate something that represents injury or trauma, ugliness or pain? But today, I want you to have a, a fresh perspective. We have to remember that even the scars in our life. They are a testimony. They testify to God's ability to heal. Um, think about it in the natural. If you cut yourself, the first thing that, that happens is that, that the clotting mechanisms within our body, they go into effect to stop the bleeding so that clotting will take place. Once the clotting takes place, then you have the WBCs, which are like these fighter cells, and they come to ward off um, the in infection. And then um, as uh, after the, the bleeding is stopped and this the WBCs come in there, then the scab begins to form. And, and that is to provide a barrier to protect against the germs and to cover to cover the the injured uh, tissue. Now, in this process of healing, the scar the scar will remain, but we shouldn't be dismayed by the scar. Uh, but we should focus on the fact that that scar reminds us that healing that healing took place. And then, secondly, another area where we are often guilty is that. In the healing process, what we do is we begin to kind of pick at the scabs and we pick at the scabs in our life by rehearsing, rehearsing what's happened, the process. And we reopen the in injury and then the womb and we have to go through this process, you know, all over again. And that will happen when the enemy has convinced us that we are victims instead of victors. And we know, according to God's word, that we are not just conquerors, but we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so we have to stay focused on that, on God's ability to heal. And even what the enemy meant for bad, that sometimes these weapons, they will form, but they shall not prosper. We have to hold on to that of God's word and focus on the healing power, the healing power of, of God. Um, and so I, I pray that, you know, some of these responses or, or remedies that uh, if you find yourself in, in that place of failed expectation or struggling to relieve, I pray that that some of those that we just shared will be of a blessing to you. But maybe you're not in that place. But I, I think uh, I'm always one for proactive, proactive measures. And I want to, uh, to share with you before I close another perspective, kind of a proactive measure. In the book of, of from Joshua McCall entitled Healing for Your Wounded Soul, Soul Growing from Pain to, to Peace, he mentioned something that was so very profound. He said that it was important Christians should really live by hope, not by expectation as, as our way of, of thinking, because hope is healthier than expectation. Expectations are often born from pride, whereas hope is born out of humility. That love hopes, according to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it doesn't expect. In fact, expectations and love are incompatible because the rigid rules uh, of expectations limit the ability to love and it shackles others. And I thought that was so such an amazing, such an amazing um, insight 
that as believers, we should hope more than expect. And, and that in itself will, will uh, help a lot of the situations that we find ourselves in. Also, I think Apostle Paul, he gave some great spiritual insight in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. And when he said, not that I speak of one, he said, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. And so basically Paul here recognized that there was no situation, no situation was out of the grip of God's grace. You know, Paul uh, knew that when we depend on the Holy Spirit that lives within us and we put our trust, we need to put our trust or our hope in God versus man, that no matter what we present our situation that presents itself to us, that we can come out victorious, that we can stand up under it through the help of God. You know, God has promised, he's promised that he will work all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose, as we uh, had said, said earlier. And also as Jesus, as he surrendered to the will of the father, that should be our hearts, our hearts uh, desire is to also um, say, not my will, but thy will uh, be done. And when we do that, we can live a life of contentment, even amidst those curveballs that, um, that, that life presents, um, knowing that it's Colossians 3.15 in the Amplified, uh, the AMC translation, it says it, this, that our ultimate peace uh, essentially comes from Christ being the umpire of our hearts continuously. So, you know, I pray, I pray that this word, this word has richly blessed you uh, today. Uh, as we have looked at expectation from, from a different per perspective, um, you know, I, I pray that you will recognize in, in the days uh, ahead that for the believer, that we should be guided by hope in God not in our expectations of, of man. And that doesn't mean that we're not to be responsible or accountable to one another, but we're to love man, but we have to trust God. Our hope needs to be in God through, through Christ Jesus. And as, as we said earlier, what God had, had given me about with every action that requires the execution or the implementation of man, it carries with it the possibility or probability of, of error because Man cannot be expected to do only what God can, and that's to never fail. So I pray today after this, this message that you'll begin to uh, see through a different lens, you know, concerning expectations and have the, the, heavenly, the heavenly perspective and put your trust and your hope uh, in, in God and know that whatever you may be facing, it is not too hard for God, and also know and be encouraged that God does provide solutions for life for you and for me. So may you be strengthened by the power of his might until we gather together again for GPS for life for you. God bless.